Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for your son and for sending him to down the cross for our sins, Lord. As we tackle um, a very difficult subject, Lord, as we look at uh, a situation that's perfect uh, for us to discuss some mental health issues today, um, I pray that you would help us to see the spiritual side of the of the of the issue of the issue and be able to glean some things that we can do that can help us some reminders uh during this time and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all in jesus name amen all right and so um this is going to be super transparent i'm hoping that this will be encouraging i'm hoping that this will uplift you but we're going to talk about some stuff um if you saw the title of this live it's called under the juniper under the juniper tree and um and the reason why i entitled it that is because um just in my own personal uh, experience and just the way that I've been feeling, been battling, and I know that some other people have been battling, I've been seeing it on social media a lot, is that um, in this quarantine time where people are kind of forced to be home, um, if they're able to go out because of work or whatever, um, it's very, it's still very limited. Um, and people, you know, I know for us, we've been in the house, you know, a lot. And a lot of that is, you know, doing, I'm thankful for, for media so we can still check on people and still do things like have services via live. Raul Wilkins, how you doing, my friend? Good morning. Um, doing things like that can be, um, can be beneficial, um, especially during this time. But um, also, also in this, um, I saw that it's been a very, it's very, been a very dark cloud. It's been hard to adjust. Um, I am someone who was naturally I'm an extrovert. Um, you can ask my wife. I'm always going, 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 going. And this has forced me to really slow it all the way down. And last week, you know, the first week of this quarantine was really hard on me. Um, I was, ha I saw that I had my spirit, uh, my spirit was really rough. Um, I was having a hard time. Um, uh, just, I mean, I didn't really want to talk to people much. Um, I was on a Zoom call. Uh, this week and still I was very I didn't really want to be in there um, I just was it was really it was just a really dark spirit and I was realizing that yo like this was like this quarantine stuff was depressing me like being stuck in my feeling feeling stuck in my house I felt like I was going crazy and um, and so as I was praying about this um, the Lord was like I was like Lord what do you want me to what do you want me to bring and he was like talk about that uh, talk. This is a good time for you to discuss some mental health issues, and we're, we're going to talk about depression, and we're going to see in um, in First Kings nineteen about someone in the Bible by the name of Elijah who struggled with depression, who struggled with depression. For people who are feel, for the people here who may be struggling uh, with that dark, uh, with the darker spirit that seems to be looming over us. For the people who, not even just this, it could be your circumstances before this. Um, I, I got some news this week that uh, my best friend, his uncle died. You know what I'm saying? That's like three years in a row of someone in their family passing away. You know what I'm saying? And so like there's different people who, if they're not careful, you know, depression will be on your doorstep. Um, and, and that's how it's going to, uh, you got to be careful uh, with, the, with these things. And so um, let me go ahead and read the scripture first, and then we're going to talk about some preliminary things. Uh, so First, Corinth, first uh, Kings chapter 19, look at verse 5. Actually, we'll go ahead and back up to verse verse one and we'll read all the way through verse 12. It says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Right. This is right after uh, the battle with the 450 prophets of Baal. Right. Um, and Ahab just told Jezebel all the, that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by to the morrow about this time. And when he, so she said, let, I'm going to let you know by tomorrow, you're going to be dead, just like they are. Verse 3, and when he saw that, he, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, right? He requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Someone, I mean, just write in the comments. What does that sound like? Let me read it again. Let me read it again. Because there are people in here, there are people in this world who are not pro mental health, and we're reading a story in the Bible right now that is absolutely one of the uh, a great embodiment of a mental health issue. Someone, someone, just type it and tell me what that is. What, what is that? What does that sound like? I'm gonna read it again. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree, right? He sat under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now. Oh, Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father. That sounds like what kind of mental health issue? Someone tell me. Sounds like depression. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of, of the, that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto horror of the Mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have taken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind was a quake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Yes, that's right, Carrie. That's right. He was depressed and ready to die. He was depressed and ready to die. That's exactly what that was. And so the context again is the prophet, the battle over the prophets with the prophets of Baal just happened. Ahab tells Queen Jezebel what's going on. She's upset. She's like, this time tomorrow, you'll be dead, just like the rest of them. And he went and found himself under the juniper tree and said, Lord, that's it's enough. Isn't that what he said, y'all? He said, he said in verse four, he said, it is enough now, Lord, take away my life. Take away my life. He was tired. He was exhausted. He wanted it to be over. And isn't that where you find yourself a lot? Where you found, where you found yourself? Isn't that, isn't that the place where, where many of us, maybe it hasn't been to the point of wanting to die, but 
just being transparent, y'all, I struggled with major depression twice in my life under two very serious circumstances, uh, more than some people have, some people know. Um, it's a real issue, and people think that depression does not happen in the church. Listen to me, y'all, as a as a future mental health advocate, as someone who is a counselor in training, um, you'll learn that anxiety, um, that major depression, is the highest a, the highest uh, mental disorder that is out right now. It's the highest mental disorder. It's the highest ranking one. It's the most prominent. It's the most common. Um, and so I want to I want to share this with you before I got into this um, into this lesson about depressive disorders. Um, this just this little thing. Depressive disorders are fairly common because they have a wide spectrum of diagnosis. Uh, because of that, depressive disorders are sometimes overdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and misdiagnosed. Depressive disorders include disruptive mood, dysregulation disorder, major depressive disorder, dysthymia, uh, a premenstrual dys uh, dysphoric disorder, substance and medication-induced depressive disorder, depressive disorder due to another medical condition, and other specific uh specified depressive disorders and unspecified depressive disorder. As from this list, different elements of depressive disorders are more common in various age groups, sexes, and walks of life, depending on each issue. Risks for depressive disorder are also very vast, and de different depressive disorders produce different symptoms. Some of the most common symptoms are withdrawal and suicide. Social withdrawal is, uh, is common. Many prefer to sit alone and be silent, and some people with depressive or disorder neglect their appearance. And when people become utterly dejected and hopeless, the thoughts of suicide are exponentially more common. That is a that is part of that is an excerpt from a paper that I wrote on mental disorders, um, and I had some quotes there. Um, some quotes there. You actually can find that um, that entire paper on my page. Um, if you are looking for um, more thoughts on that, but listen, but what I want you to get from that is that depressive disorders are vast, right? Depressive disorders are vast, and we see Elijah right smack dab in the middle of suicidal depression, right? He's suicidal right now, and so and so. Before I go any further, man, let me get a swig of water real quick. Before. I go any further, I want to encourage all church leaders to understand that mental health issues are a big thing. And I also want many pastors to know, I want many people to know that many pastors are under-equipped to handle depression. All right. What we're going to talk about today is just the spiritual side of the issue. But major depression is something uh, major depression is something that 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 requires training to deal with. It's something that requires um, it requires training. It requires because listen to me, you can just say, well, you know what? The Lord's got it. And that's true. Right. You can say the Lord's got it. And we're gonna, again, we're going to look at the spiritual side of things. But there are also practical steps that have to be taken uh, when helping someone deal pro properly processing depression. And that's why I'm a huge mental health advocate because a lot of pastors are out here, they don't know what they're doing. They don't. They can give you some words of encouragement from the Lord, but they don't have the 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 credibility. They don't have the credibility to, to, to counsel that kind of mental disorder. And they don't have the kind, you know, and it, and it vast. It, it could be different. Mental health, uh, depression can stem from something like just sitting in the house all the time, being sick. Or it could be from a, uh, this week I was studying PTSD and post-traumatic stress disorders and how sometimes we think about that just in the realms of war, but it can be a car accident. It can be uh, sexual molestation as a child. It can be all kinds of things. And it can even just be the fact that you feel like a failure because of whatever may have happened in your life. You know what I'm saying? So 
the 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 spectrum for depression and mental health disorders is so vast that that training is required right and so I'll, so we're talking about that today but we're not here I'm not here to give you a psychology lesson I promise we're going to look at the spiritual side of things um and I hope that this will be an encouragement to you so if you're a note taking person I got five things for you all right number 1 look at verse 5 it says in verse 5 and he lay and slept under a juniper tree right Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Number one, God got Elijah up. God got Elijah up. One thing that I'm so excited about in my program of study right now is we, we practice an integrated model, right? We practice, we're, I'm practicing right now or, or, or learning an integrated model of psychology. And the way that, in, that, the, that it works is that integrated model is the the combination of biblical concepts and structures, uh, the construct of, of the biblical worldview, and also, and also of a secular a secular worldview or the psychology aspect of it. And, but at the root of that, at the root of a biblical a biblical worldview, is that God is the foundation for it all. The way that I look at it is that God, God, gives us the outline, and then science fills in the details. Does that make sense? God gives us the outline and, and, and science fills in the details, right? Um, just a couple of quick examples. Uh, God being up on the temple and Satan telling him to jump. Well, God, of course, number one, wasn't going to listen to Satan. Uh, but number two, he knows that things fall at a rate of nine meters per second, 9.5 meters per second every second. That's called gravity. Right. And so um, and so he the law of gravity was in place. Right. Scripture doesn't give you the rate of the rate by which things fall, but it's understood. Right. And so in here we see we see Elijah dealing with depression and no, it didn't say dysthymia or major depression or medical induced depression. It didn't give us any specific symptom or specific diagnosis. It didn't use the DSM five to diagnose Elijah. It didn't do that. Uh, but we see very clearly that he is. And so um, just the worldview that we practice is like, hey, God is still sovereign, right? God is still on the, on the throne. Ultimately, God is the biggest healer, right? Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one who was doing the major work. We're just being used, used, right? We're just being a vessel to help that person walk through that process and process and be able to regain hope and to work through their issue, right? And so that's the crux of it. That's the crux of how, and if anyone had any questions about how can you be a pastor and study psychology, it's from a biblical worldview. It's from a biblical worldview. Um, and so um, the first point in this from verse five, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. Uh, God got Elijah up. God got Elijah up. And the most important thing to know is that when the healing comes, it's God who does the healing. It's God who ultimately does the healing. Elijah was sulking under the juniper tree, and it was after that that he fell asleep. And that's what. And and and, and, and look at this. If you look at the qualities by which Elijah have has in this in this story, uh, you'll find out that that's the same thing that happens with people who struggle with depression, right? He says it says here um, that he asked the Lord to die, right? Is it, it is enough, Lord? Um, let me see. I, I lost my spot. Um, but he, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, um, those are, 
those are quali are qualities of people who are depressed, right? He's sulking under a juniper tree, right? He's saying he's had enough. He's over it. He's done, right? And then he went to sleep. Listen to me, y'all. Sleeping, whenever you're dealing with a an issue, is the worst way to handle your problems. Stop saying I'm going to sleep it off. Stop doing that. Listen to me, y'all. Stop saying I'm going to sleep it off. When Number one, when Elijah wakes up, his problems aren't over, right? When Elijah wakes up, his problems are not over. Let me talk to you about the subconscious and the consciousness real quick. Whenever you're awake, your consciousness is at the forefront of your mind, all right? Here's a little bit of a psychology lesson. Whenever you're when you're awake, your sub your consciousness is at the forefront of your mind, but everything else is now pushed to the subconscious of your mind, right? Everything is pushed to the subconscious of your mind, and so what that means is, let's say, you know, this did not happen to me, but let's say that I was, you know, abused every day as a child, right? And now as an adult, I am trying to deal with the abuse that I that I felt as a child. But what, what happens? Whenever that happens to me, I just push it to the back of my mind. I don't want to think about it. Um, there have been several people that I've talked to and I say, what do you do when these thoughts come up? And they say, I just go to sleep, right? And so we, so we, so to speak, we take the thoughts that we don't want to deal with and we sweep them under the rug. And what happens is you go to sleep. Well, I don't want to deal with it, so I'm going to go to sleep. Stop going to sleep. Let me tell you why. Stop going to sleep to deal with the problem. Because when you go to sleep, your, your consciousness now goes to the back and guess what comes to the front of your mind? Your subconscious. Everything that you have been sweeping under the rug is now at the forefront of your mind. And that's why people have nightmares. That's why people, by the way, you should, you should be done with nightmares by the time that you're 18. So for you to be having major nightmares over and over and over again, that's a huge red flag. Night sweats, muscle spasms, people who are constantly waking up out of their sleep, they're immensely tired all the time. You know why those things, those are just a, a few of the symptoms. But what happens is you now are going to, you're now suppressing these negative things because you're not dealing with them. Just because you don't want to deal with it and you sweep it under the rug does not mean that you didn't deal with it. Doesn't mean that you dealt with it. And so you, we go to sleep and we put, and we, but what happens is in your mind now, all those dark thoughts that you put away, all of those thoughts are now ha having a field day in your brain. They're all having a field day. They're going to infiltrate your dreams. And what you'll find out is that negative emotions will always manifest themselves, right? Negative emotions will always manifest themselves. So you either manifest those, you either deal with that properly, or it's going to show you that you need to deal with it. You understand? You either deal with it properly or you're going to learn or it's going, your body's going to deal with it for you, which is why night sweats happens. People start having seizures, right? Because they suppress things and your body's like, hey, there's a bunch of negative energy happening right now and you're not dealing with it. Stop sleeping it off. Learn to deal with your problem. Talk it out. Get therapy, right? Talk to someone, do something, but you don't need to just sweep it under the rug because Elijah did just now. We, what we read, Elijah just did what so many of us do whenever we're dealing with those dark thoughts that we don't want to handle, which is what? We sleep it off. And that's not working. It's, it only makes it worse. Has that ever happened to you? You're dealing with something and you're, you're upset. You say, I'm just going to go to sleep. And you wake up and you feel worse. You know why that happens? Because you just had about eight hours of your brain doing whatever it wants. And you've been suppressing dark thoughts all day. 
stop sleeping it off. That's not a good thing to do. It's not a good thing to do, right? But that's how we handle it. Uh, how depression? What does it look like? A lot of times, it's it's being it's getting home from work and and getting in bed with all your clothes on. It's being tired but not being able to sleep. It's being it's withdrawing. It's being antisocial, right? Um, you see. K dot right? You do that and you wake up even more tired. You know what I'm saying? So this is someone who is who is even expressing that, and that's someone who's dealt with major depression several times in his life. Um, that's exactly what it looks like. As I'm reading the DSM five and doing my own research through this for school and things like that, and the practicing that I get to do via school, um, that's like that's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. You're sleeping, you're getting in bed with all your clothes on. You're just staring at the wall. You're tired, but you can't sleep. You have no appetite, right? You have no drive. I mean, these are just a few of a whole bunch of different things uh, that happen. And Elijah's doing just that. You get home, you sit in the dark, right? And all that stuff is going on. And that's you got to be careful about that. But what happened? God got him up. As he lay and slept under the juniper tree, right, trying to sleep off his problems, Behold, then an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. He said, hey, get up. Hey, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Right? God will send people to encourage. And that's why one of those verses that I like to think about, especially as I work on becoming a mental health advocate. Um, and by the way, my two areas of study that I plan to, um, my two areas of study that are that are going to be my forte um, when I'm done are going to be uh, depressive depression depressive disorders and anxiety disorders and well three that I want to focus on depressive disorders anxiety disorders and post traumatic stress because post traumatic stress is not just war it happens every day for people right and so uh, depression anxiety and trauma are going to be the three things that I that I want to specialize in. Um, as you can tell, I've done a lot of research and I'll do a lot of more, a lot more. Um, but God will, God sent the angel to encourage him and God will send people to encourage you. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I believe that God raises up people like mental health advocates, uh, like mental health professionals uh, to be able to help people walk through their issues. And as a pastor, I really feel like I am doing a disservice to my congregation to not have the kind of training to deal with the, the details uh, that scripture does not address. We see right here in the passage in just two verses, we read four and five and we saw that he was so, so depressed. And a lot of people can say, hey, let me encourage you. And I have plenty of verses about scripture, about dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, anxiety, sor a sorrowful spirit drives the bones, but a, a merry spirit does good like a medicine. Um, I can talk to you about, you know, be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto man and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can go ahead and bring you. Let us therefore come bold. Uh, we have not a great high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Men shall always pray and not faint. You know what I'm saying? These are all the different scriptures. No, these are all the different scriptures uh, that are going that we have uh, uh, in scripture uh, that we are given. And that's just a small pocket of them. That scripture, uh, that scripture gives us, um, and it's something to understand that scripture has a bunch of stuff to say about it, but the, the practical steps may require someone else uh, to help you walk through it. And God sent this angel to Elijah and said, hey, get up and eat. 
Hey, get up and eat. Um, he'll use people to encourage. He'll use his word. He'll use church. He'll use mental health professionals. Um, and, and listen to me. And that's just to muster up enough energy. And listen to me. Y'all want to know some? Let me give you some more biblical play, things and in, 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 uh, biblical uh, examples of depression. What about David when, when Nathan came to him and said, hey, your son's gonna, your firstborn child's going to die. What did he do? He stopped eating. He stopped showering. He stopped taking care of himself. All that stuff happened. He just wanted to lay in bed all the time. What about Hannah? Right? Hannah worried herself sick. Because she wanted a baby so badly and she wasn't getting a baby. And then Penaniah was picking on her all the time and she was so depressed. And then Elkanah comes to her and says, am I not better for you than 10 sons? Why don't you eat and why are you cast down? And You know what I'm saying? The psalmist said, why art thou cast down, O my soul, hope in God? Listen to me. I'm not saying that scripture does not have a lot to say. Scripture is at the forefront of the issue. Do you understand me? Scripture is at the forefront um, of the issue of on, on dealing with depression. It is. It is. But at the same time, you got to understand that God is going to raise up several things in your life to help you to deal uh, with this issue. I know that it's hard. I never said that it's easy, but you have to do it. You got to get up. You got to get up. You can't allow that. You can't allow the depression to weigh you down because that's what it is. It's a binding. It's a bondage construct. It's a binding mechanism. It's, it's designed to keep you there indefinitely. Don't let it. God got Elijah up and God will get you up because better than any mental health advocate, I don't care how many credentials you have or how long you've been in the field, anybody, any, any therapist that is worth their salt will tell you this, that God is the ultimate healer. God is the ultimate healer and God's going to get, God is going to get, got, got him up and God's going to get you up as well. Number two. Look at verse five again. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked, verse six, and behold, uh, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head, uh, at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Number two, God sustained Elijah. God sustained Elijah. Um, it's hard. It's hard to eat. You don't have an appetite. You don't have any drive or any zeal, right? Am I wrong? No. Um, God only got him up and brought him food. God, you know, God not only got him up, but he brought him food uh, and he was there with him. And I say that he was there with him because the angel woke Elijah up a second time, right? He, he woke Elijah up a second time. He, he, the angel came back and said, man, eat. I need you to, I need you to eat. And he got up and what did Elijah do? He finally got, uh, he finally got up and ate. But then what did he do? He laid right back down. Again, I say that he was there with him because he, he was he was waking him up. He was, he was helping him to uh, to sustain, right? He gave him sustenance. He got him he got him to get up and eat, right? Look at God. Said, look at this. Look at God sending someone to help build him up, to help encourage him, to to help him, you know, get the sustenance that that he needs. Uh, my favorite verse in scripture right now. Someone asked me, but I forgot um, what my life verse was. And I think right now for me, um, just being transparent, because I like to do that. I tell my church all the time that I believe in being transparent. Um, being transparent, um, as a pastor, the last, I'm in my second lap being a pastor, and it's been difficult. Um, my first year, I struggled with some anger. I struggled with some bitterness. Um, I, I felt the looming weight um, of depression. Um, 
I thought that working alongside my former pastor for five years would be enough training for me, and it wasn't. Um, I felt very unprepared. I felt like every single day was a new hurdle, and depression was knocking at my door um, all the time. Um, and I know that it, sometimes it can be hard to to move forward. Um, but a verse quickly became uh, one verse quickly became my verse for the season. And I believe it's found in Psalm chapter three. I hope that's where it's at. Um, you would think that a verse that I quote to myself all the time, I, I wouldn't know exactly where it is. Uh, but Psalm chapter three, let me see if that's where it is. Um, yes, Psalm chapter three. And this has been my life verse lately. Um, I'll just read the first five verses of Psalm three. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. This, is my, this has been my life verse lately. Verse 5. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. For the Lord sustained me. Has God sent somebody to sustain you? Have you been looking for sustenance? Have you been looking for something to help you out of that rut? To help you with your depression? To encourage you? To help you to even just get up? And one thing about depression is that little things are, little victories are still victories. For someone who is dealing with major depression... For them to get out of bed and shower is a huge deal because many times people who are struggling with major depression will be in bed with and not shower or brush their teeth or groom themselves for days. You know what I'm saying? They'll spend a whole week in bed without a shower. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's a big deal because they, it, it's been three days since they ate. So for them to get up and make some make a sandwich with no condiments on it is a big deal. For someone to phone a friend and say, hey, I've been struggling is a big deal. Why? Because depression is an all-around bonding mechanism. We see God sending an angel, literally sending an angel to stop Elijah from wanting to die. He's literally under this tree having this huge depressive fit. God, he said, he said it is enough. It's enough, right? I'm trying not to get emotional, so excuse me. Because this passage really hits home for me. He said it's enough. He, he, he requested that he might die. Lord, take away my life. I'm not better than my father's. And he's, he's having this pity party. He's, throwing him, he's just throwing himself under the bus. What did you do with the help that God sent you? The people who actually checked on you. The stuff that God has put in place to encourage you. To sustain you. I saw one time for school a video. This woman who was dealing with the loss of a child. The family had gotten pregnant. And she had miscarried. And spiraled into a major depressive fit. 
I remember watching the scene in it where the husband walks into the room and he's got a rag and he's wiping her face down because she hadn't showered or anything and groomed herself. Her hair was a mess, starting to smell bad. And I watched this man walk in and he opened his package and he was feeding a fully capable grown woman her food like a child, like a baby. Literally feeding her her food, forcing her to eat. Because sometimes the bondage of depression is that heavy. Where you can't even lift your arms to feed yourself with a spoon. God sustained Elijah. And he wants to sustain you too. And I understand that it's going to take a lot for you to get up today. If you're someone right here that's, that's dealing with this, it's going to, you may feel alone, you feel isolated, you feel dejected. You feel like you have nobody or anything. Do not let it win. Because just as God sustained Elijah, it might not be an angel, but shoot, it might be an angel in the form of a person who walks into your life and says, hey, I know you're hurting. How can I help? He'll sustain you. Number one. God got Elijah up. Number two, he sustained him. Look at verse seven. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Read it again. And the angel of the Lord came again and the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Number three, God reminded Elijah that he had more plans for him. God reminded Elijah that he has more plans for him. One of the major issues with depression is that it will cloud your vision. It'll cloud your future, right? It'll cloud your vision. It'll cloud your future. It'll get you to the place where you are thinking that there is nothing left for me. There is nothing else going on. I, there, I have no purpose. I have, I have nothing in my life that just, that's worth living for or worth fighting for. See, see, depression will tell you stupid crap like that. Right. Where it, where it'll say like, oh, like, oh, you, you, you're there's nothing else for you that's out there. You, there's nothing else for you. God had to remind Elijah that he has more plans for him. God has more plans for you. God has more plans for you. If you are still if you woke up today, you are still living, you are still breathing. God is not done with you yet. You hear me? God is not done with you net with you yet. He needed to eat. He he needed to get his energy because God had more for him to do. It's a lot like this. When I coached basketball, when I coached basketball, and then when I was an assistant coach for um for Baptist Temple, um, I would often talk to my girls and even the the head coach would talk to the guys and we will always talk to the kids about the diet that they would have before a game. You got a game, make sure that you're eating healthy, that you're drinking enough water, right? To cut out the soda, cut out the junk food, right? All that other stuff. Make sure that you're eating properly, that you're getting enough sleep. Why? Because you want to be at the best that you can be for what's hap for what's next for you, for this for this game. For many of y'all that are dealing with this, dealing with dealing with depression, is understanding that you need your you need your energy to move you need your energy to move forward, and that's why God said, "Hey, I need you to get up and I need you to eat because there is more for you to do." He says, "You got to arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. You're gonna need to be at the top of your game for what I need what I'm going to do with you next. You gotta get up and eat." 
you gotta get up and eat. And that's why I am so like, I'm rooting for the people who struggle with depression, who who struggle with anxiety, because I know firsthand, all, all firsthand, firsthand knowledge about how hard it can be. But listen to me, you gotta get up. You gotta get up and eat. You gotta get up and, and, and go. You gotta cling on to whatever little bit of sustenance that God has given you. He says, man, because the journey is too great for you. The journey is gonna be too much for you. And so I'm the one that's going to carry you through it, but I need you to at least be able to walk there. You know what I'm saying? You got to get up and eat. You feel like it's the end, that there's no point. Why should I try? Why should I press forward? Why should I put on, push forward? A show that was a little bit graphic for me that I actually, we actually had to stop watching but was so conceptually strong was that move was that show Thirteen Reasons Why, super graphic. Um, we couldn't even, we couldn't even finish it. Uh, but what in in that show, even though it's se probably several years old now, right, Calais? A few years old now, probably about three or four years old now. Um, the concept is just how people suffer in silence. People suffer in silence, and I'm not talking about whether or not. You know, Hannah was right or wrong for how she handled it. I'm talking about the facts of the matter as that people suffer in silence. And we have no idea. But I get it. You feel like it's the end, like there's nothing else to move forward to. There's no point. You're tired of the fake smiles. You're tired of faking that you're happy. You're tired of acting like you're not dying inside. I know the reality is a depression. God had that angel tell him, nah, you got to get up. There's more for you to do. You got to get up. There's more for you to do. Depression is a trial. And God has a lot for you to do and a lot to do in and through you. Don't give in to that pressure. Don't give in to those thoughts that say that there's nothing left. All right? right um, in counseling, we call that automatic thoughts. Those, that, that's those initial thoughts that surround an issue that are usually those firsthand thoughts that are not going to be good ones. And they're the ones that say that you're worthless or useless and that God can't do anything with you or that your future is done. Those are those automatic thoughts and you got to strike those down, right? We call those automatic thoughts. Scripture says, let me turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because we call those automatic thoughts in therapy, but scripture has some stuff to say about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Yep. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Same concept. Watching those automatic thoughts and following those automatic thoughts up with things of Christ, right? The Bible says, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, right? Don't give in to those thoughts that there's no point in pressing forward. God was going to use Elijah and he did. And he wants to use you too. So don't forget that God has more for you than you think. Don't let the depression win. Number one, God got Elijah up. Number two, God sustained him. Number three, God reminded Elijah that he had more plans for him. Number four, God reminded Elijah of what he had done before. 
God reminded Elijah of what he had done before. Look at verse 7 again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Verse 8. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of the meat of 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Right? God met... Um, he was in Horeb. So we find out that he was in... He was in Horeb for 40 days and 40 nights. And there was a picture of Israelites in the Israelites in the wilderness, right? A reminder that God has brought his people through things before and that God was going to bring him through again. Don't forget what God has done in your life, right? God has an impeccable track record. And if you are here today, that means that number one, you made it through 100% of your trials. And number two, that God is faithful. God is faithful, and we don't always understand why things happen on this side of heaven, but at the minimum, God gets glory from our lives. Don't forget what God has done for you. If you're alive today, God already, if you're alive today, God has already moved in your life. He reminds you of those times that he has come through for you already. Don't ignore those thoughts. I was doing some, uh, some counseling this week, and I was uh, talking with someone who was going through a lot of stuff right now, and um, as she was explaining to me, um, some of this other stuff, she was also sharing with me about some of her past experiences with, uh, with this certain thing. And I was like, whoa, do you realize that you just told me about three or four experiences before this one that were positive, that were encouraging, that what you fear now, you have had three different experiences consecutively that were encouraging? Why are you worrying about it, right? Because you find out in this is that there's a track record there. And the track record showed that God is sovereign, that God takes care of the righteous because he always did that. He always did that. So we're good. We're so good at praising God for when times are good and then forgetting what he did and getting mad when we go through it. And he's still there. You just have to brave the storm until it's over. He's trying to help you do that. I reminded of Mark chapter six. Turn to Mark chapter six with me real quick. Mark chapter 6. We're almost done. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 6. All right. Let's look at... We're going to look at this... Uh, we're going to look at this, this passage in Scripture. And this is um, right after... This is right after God or Jesus had fed the 5,000, right? Verse 44 of Mark chapter 6. And they did eat of the loaves, which were about 5,000 men, right? So that's not even including women and children, at least 15,000 people total. Um, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And he had sent them away, and he departed into a mountain to pray. And when he was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them rowing, toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. So they're out there, and they're fighting for their lives, man. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be, good, be of a good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. 
And he went up in, unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in, the, in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Check this out. Verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the five loaves, for their hearts were, their heart was hardened. That, that blew me away. Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Literally, less than 10 verses ago, they watched Jesus do this incredible miracle. And then when it came time, when it came time for them to actually cash in on the fact that they know that Jesus does great things, what they do? They forgot. They forgot. What makes you think that God is going to allow you to watch him work and then you not be tested as well sometimes you know what i'm saying you'll be you'll go through seasons of testing you'll go through seasons of trials uh james chapter one says count it all joy when you fall on diverse temptations right when you go through various trials they forgot the feeding of the five thousand because their hearts were hardened you got to be careful god reminded them of what he has done before whenever you're going through a depressive fit Whenever you're going through that situation where it's dark for you, remember what God has done for you so far. How far he's brought you. How strong, how much stronger you are now because you went through those things. You understand what I'm saying? Number five and lastly. Number five and lastly. Look at verse nine. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? So Elijah, even though he had gotten up, listen to me, y'all. He got up, but he still diverted and went into a cave, right? And God's like, what are you doing here? Whenever you're going through it, remember that when, as you're dealing with this growth, when you're under the juniper tree, when you're, under, when you're dealing with growth and you're, and you're under the juniper tree, remember that change is not linear, Right, linear means like it, it's in a straight line. Whenever you're dealing with growth, whenever you're trying to get out of stuff, whenever you're like dealing with depression and you're trying to get out of depression, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm in this depressive fit and I'm going to keep going, going, going. Look, depression doesn't, getting out of depression or any kind of issue like that doesn't look like this. It looks like this. It's not going to be linear. Right when you're dealing with change, there's gonna be times where you fall back. There, there may be periods as you, as you're beginning this it, dealing with this that you relapse into depression. That's not a time for you to kick yourself. That's a time for you to understand that change takes time, and it's not always gonna be a straight line. There may be times when you go like this, like this, like this, but then there may be times when you go like this, and you go back down, and you gotta fight your way back up. And it's, change isn't linear. He came thither into a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He got diverted. He slipped back in. Verse 10, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So even here, he's, he's going back and doing what depression does, right? What does depression do? Depression starts reminding you of all the negative stuff, right? I've been very jealous for the Lord of God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one left. That's what it feels like, right? Listen to me, y'all. Y'all be talking about pastors. Listen to me. Mental health issues are prevalent in the church. 
They are prevalent in the church. There are people, he's like, oh, you are Christian. What are you depressed for? Because depression is real, duh. That's a stupid question. Stop asking people that. What are you depressed for? What do you have to be depressed for? That's because you think that depression only scales on major things that happen in your life. Stop telling people to get over it. That's not, a, that's not how you deal with depression. And I'm willing to bet that the same people who say get over it or what are you have depressed what do you have to be depressed for are the very same people number one who, ha who are probably battling depression themselves in some way shape or form or they are suppressing it and by the way suppressing it is a negative is, is suppressing a negative emotion will always manifest themselves and that's why you find out that men who are emotionally unavailable end up being either mean to their wives emotionally distant they abuse their wives or abuse their children or they try to do really dangerous habits like drinking away their problems or doing drugs and that's that's a common well known fact because you have to deal with negative emotions properly but we see him slipping back right he's reverting back into this thing where he's thinking about all the negative things that have depressed him i'm the only one that's left verse 11 and he said go forth upon the mounts before the lord and behold the lord passed by in a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the lord but the Lord was not in the wind, and the, after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, right? So these really loud, boisterous things are happening. Mountains are breaking. The wind is, the wind is doing crazy things. There's an earthquake. The Lord's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Verse 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, Elijah, doest th what doest thou here? And verse 14, he says the very same things that he says in verse 12. But look at verse 18. He says, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You know what he was telling him? He was telling him that you're not alone. You're not by yourself. Hey, Kara, welcome. You're not by yourself. I've, there's still people that have not done these things that you just said to me two verses in a row. That, no, 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 you're not by yourself. Number five, the last point is that God talked to Elijah when he was weary. God talked to Elijah when he was weary. God met Elijah where he was at. Elijah was down on the, under the juniper tree. God was under the juniper tree with, with, uh, with Elijah. Elijah went to the cave. God was in the, in the cave with Elijah. He said, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Don't, this is not where you're supposed to be. And Elijah go ahead and reminds God about his problems. Listen to me. Stop reminding God about your problems and start reminding your problems about how big your God is. You understand? He met him when he was with the angel. He met, and by the way, check this out. If you look at it, in verse five, what happens? God sent what? He sent an angel to come and talk to him. But when he's in the cave, who meets with him? God meets with him in the cave, right? And then you see here, the mountain was, the, the breaking of the mountain was loud. Think about that. Think about what that sounds like. A mountain breaking. That's got to be loud and just, you know, boisterous. Think about the howling wind and how it's loud. 
Think about a roaring fire and how big and massive that is. The Bible says that God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He wasn't in the breaking of the mountain. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the still small voice. The one that you have to train your ear to hear. You have to train your ear to hear when the Lord is quiet so that you can hear him when it's loud. But you're never alone. Listen to me. You are never alone. That still small voice requires training, though. It requires you getting into a quiet time in your house. Parents, it's going to require you getting to the place when you are um, when you are uh, the kids are asleep or the kids are off at school or when everyone's at be in bed and you can just get alone by yourself and get with God. Right. Get with God. It's, it's going to require times like that to hear him when it's quiet. So that when, when life is loud, because it oftentimes is when your kids are yelling and screaming and fighting with each other or are always needing things from you, when your job is always calling you, when you have to fulfill the needs of your spouse, when you got things going on in ministry, when, you have, when life is just loud, it's going to be that still small voice, that still small voice that God's going to speak to you and says, hey, I'm still here. And I haven't let you go. There's still, I know you feel alone, but there is still a remnant of people. I have, I have 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal or kissed his feet. They, there's, you're not alone out here by yourself. You're not by yourself. I'm with you. I love that verse. In the, I love these verses in scripture. Um, and I'm done. But I love that the passages in scripture where it says, you know, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Right? I love it. I love verses like that. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Right? These are reminders that God's like, I don't make junk, and I take care of things. I take care of my own. You are not alone, though. These are some, this was some reminders that I had to tell myself. Um... During this time, because it's been a dark time for me um, in this. I mean, I don't think, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I, I know when it's, I know when it's, I know, because I've struggled with it, I'm, pr I just, I'm prone to it. I'm prone to it. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, I know when it's looming, when it's, when it's hovering over me. And I think last week was one of those spells where I was even in a group conference call uh, with some people. Uh, uh, a Bible study meetup via Zoom. We had a bunch of people in there. People are laughing, doing prayer requests, and I just didn't even participate. My camera was off most of the time. My mic was off most of the time. I was listening, and I just, I mean, it just dreamed me. I, I could feel the effects of depression starting, and I was really trying to claw my way out of that last week, and I had to keep running. I was running to the Lord, and I had to keep being reminded, man, God takes care of it. God takes care of it. Right, and that's right. Knowing those, knowing that gives you an upper hand. He's right. Knowing that gives you an upper hand, and because and because I know what triggers my anxiety, and I know people say don't call it your anxiety, but hear me out. I know that I am prone to anxiety and I'm prone to depression. Right, I know those things, um, and I've even gone and many people don't know it, but I've went and sought professional help on on both of those issues. I have. Um, and so I, I know that those are common things for me. But now that I know what my triggers are. 
I know what those things are. I know when it's coming. And so that's why I was trying to really fight it off before it could really set in. Because once it sets in, man, and listen to me, I'm an extrovert through and through. And anyone that knows me knows that I'm really happy. I'm upgoing. I'm upbeat. That's my natural spot. So when I when I fall, man, when I get when I get low, I, I hit hard. I crash. I crash land. But even above all the mental health stuff that I know, all the mental health stuff that I'm going to know because I'm over halfway through my program. I got like summer semesters, fall semester, and then internship and practicum next year. And I'm pretty much, and I'm done. I still have a lot more to learn. And even a lot of my my superiors, um, my, uh, that one of the chairs of my, of my, uh, of, of our program as one of the head counseling division in the state of Virginia. And they are veterans in it. I mean, the, I'm taking psychopathology right now. And my professor, my professor has like 13 credentials. Just nuts. She's got so many certifications. And even with all of that, they still tell you that you still spend the rest of your life learning, learning how to be a better therapist, right? How to be a better, how to be a, ther a better therapist. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. Work to become a good therapist and also to be, to become a better pastor. And that's going to require me knowing my own triggers and my own faults. Just like it's going to require you to know yours. But ultimately, above all the mental health stuff that I will, that I know and will learn, the biggest things that will help me as a pastor, as a therapist, is that God is the one who's going to do all the work. God does all the work. I'm just a, I'm just a, 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 mecha, a mechanism. I'm just a vessel, right, to be used. So let me give you five quick reminders. Number one, God got Elijah up. He'll get you up too. Number two, he sustained Elijah. He'll sustain you too. He reminded Elijah that God had more plans and he's got more plans for you. Number four, he reminded Elijah that of all that he's done before. He, told him, he walked him through 40 days and 40 nights in Horeb, just like the Israelites did. It's a reminder of what God has done for you. And if you are here today, you've made it through 100% of your trials. Number five, God talked to Elijah when he was weary. Are you listening to him? It's going to be when life is loud and your thoughts are trying to drown you out. Those still small voice is going to be that thing that helps you to move forward. That's how you survive. Listen to me, y'all. That's how you survive being under the juniper tree. That's how you survive it. Because if you're under the juniper tree now, chances are this won't be the last time you find yourself there. And in the midst of getting out from under the juniper tree, you're going to find yourself in caves and God's asking you, what are you doing here? The juniper tree comes for us all sometimes. But if you can remember how the Lord works in this time, you're going to find that your ability to overcome, right? Because that's what we are, right? We're overcomers. Let me read. I, I know I said I was done. Let me just read this one, this one passage. The Lord kind of put it on my heart real quick. It's in Romans chapter 8, real quick. It says this, and I just, I'm going to leave you with this, and then I'm going to be done. I have nothing else to share. Verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me this? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God... 
willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory of the, on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And as he saith also in Aussie, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which were not my beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Esaias also cried, crieth concerning Israel, that the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Did you see that, y'all? I didn't even plan that. That's the Lord. Bringing things into remembrance. We're talking about Elijah right now in 1 Kings 19. This was not planned, right? Esaias, right, Elijah, also crieth concerning the number, concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a work short, a work short will the Lord make upon the earth. And Esaias said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath have had left us a seed and we, we had been of Sodom and Gomorrah and be made, be made of Sodom, sorry, and shall be made like unto Gomorrah. He says this, what shall we say then? The Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained unto righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as they were by the words of the law, for they stumbled as that stumbling stone. And as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Right? So actually what ended up happening, y'all, is that I actually ended up reading the wrong spot. And that was something that <laughs> I ended up reading the wrong spot, but the Lord used it because that's exactly what we're talking about. Right now, as we're dealing with Elijah, or and that's and that passage was re in reference to what he was dealing with in First First Kings nineteen. But what I wanted to show you was this, and it's just I'm gonna skip all the fluff now. It says this: Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is chapter eight, verse thirty-five. Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are all killed as all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whenever you find yourself under the juniper tree, remember that you are not alone. Dear Lord, we thank you for the day and, we sent, and for sending us and to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, we pray that you would use us to be men and women of God who will learn to trust you. Who will learn to fight through the fog of our mind when depression tries, when depression looms over us and threatens to take our joy. That we can lay ourselves down and sleep because you sustain us. Lord, I pray that as we're dealing with this time, that many of us will find ourselves under the juniper tree, Lord. And we don't want to be under the juniper tree. We don't want to be depressed or cast down. 
that we would do like the psalmist said, that we would remind ourselves to hope thou in God. Help us to be people who learn that you've got it under control and that the burden was always meant to be heavy, that the yoke was always meant to be heavy, the burden was always meant to be heavy, but 